Here's another installment of Grimerica Goes to the Paradigm Symposium 2014 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Enjoy and thanks for listening. All right, guys, welcome to Grimerica for our uh, our twice delayed Paradigm wrap up show to, to clean up. I think we did release nine episodes, so this is just kind of a, a quick wrap up. We've got a couple more chats to play, and uh, we figured we'd do. 15 minutes here or so of just uh, what we're taking away from it a month later. We got RPJ and, of course, uh, Greedy Graham. Greedy Graham. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Red Pill Junkies connection is great right now, so we're going to take advantage of it. And so this this uh, episode, we've, we've recorded it at the Paradigm uh, Symposium in the Vendor Room 2014. And this, uh, we had Phyllis Galdi from Fate on this episode. She was in the Vendor Room. And Wildflower was a presenter at Paradigm. She's here. Uh, Todd Donor of the Others Report. I met him there at Paradigm. And him and Stuart join us on a little segment of this. Stuart's a buddy from Calgary who we must keep in contact with, Darren. Like right around the corner. And then we have Ephraim Palermo and Red Pill Junkie on here as well. Uh, kind of like a final wrap-up, putting all these little uh, pieces together. And there we have it. What did you think of the Paradigm? Mm-hmm. Me? Yeah, sure. 30 you. days later? Yeah. Has it been that long already? Yeah, and nobody's a zombie. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Never mind. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, Nick, Nick Redfern thing. 48 days later. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, I, I thought uh, it's sometimes it's difficult when we listen to a lot of these topics and we have a lot of these speakers that we already know the content when you go in there and you, you know, you watch them, right. A lot of it's review, right? Like even if a guy like Graham Hancock's there and he's got, he's got a, a good following and he's got like lots of good stuff. If you've heard him on a few podcasts and you've seen a couple it's presentations, see- it's not, it's not as relevant to me as some of these new yeah. guys that I've like, I learned a ton from like Barry Fitzgerald and, and Ed Nightingale. It's nice yeah. to see a lot of it with the visuals. Well, especially in Graham Hancock's one, because he took Randall Carlson's work and embedded it in his presentation, and you get that full global view of the end of the Ice Age and that cataclysm and all that, right? Mm-hmm. That was good. That was good. Fun times. Yeah. But other than that, there was some new guys like Barry Fitzgerald that I don't really know a lot of his work, and, and I learned a shitload from him and Ed, Ed Nightingale, and you know, Laird Scranton, of course, was good, and... And there was some new bits in, in other presentations, too, like uh, some stuff from John Anthony West that I didn't really know much about. But what did you take away from it, Red? Oh, gee. <laughs> like you said, uh, you go to Paradigm and you listen to all these wonderful uh, researchers give their presentations. And at that moment, it's, it will so much to di- properly digest. Maybe, maybe you guys are, are quite right in that uh, in doing this wrap-up uh, um, uh, um, a month after the, the paradigm ended. And even after that, you know, I'm still having problem, pr- problems, you know, really uh, analyzing all the content that, uh, that we were giving, you know, and, as, and aside from all the uh, uh, things that happened, you know, outside the pres- proper presentations, you know, uh, uh, I always, every time I go to Paradigm, I, I bring a, a, a notebook, you know, uh, always this a straight A student, you know, whenever I listen to these guys, I'm always, you know, jotting every, everything as fast as I can. And maybe it's not uh, such a good thing because uh, you're not, uh, paying full attention to what they're saying, but in the end, maybe it it, it really benefits me because uh, now I have like 30 pages in my notebook of all the things that they said, you know, and things that are, I'm sure that they're going to be very useful uh, for my blogging, you know. For, for example, when I was listening to Andrew Collins, you know, I came up with uh, a couple of ideas of my own that I want to 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 explore further uh, in the future, and well, right now, for example, I'm I'm trying to 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 write my own personal review of Paradigm for Mysterious Universe, and I quickly realized that if in order to do it the way I wanted to do, which is going to be a very very personal and very thorough 
uh, account of everything that transpired in Paradigm, you know, not, not just on the, on, the, on the presentations, but also, you know, uh, what happened to me personally. <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, easily uh, a, a three-part essay, you know, maybe I'm going to end up with easily 6,000 words in order to really, what I'm intending to do is to really convey to, to the reader what we now call the, the paradigm effect. You know what I mean? You know, the, this, the effect, the atmosphere that is accomplished, that exists during the four days of the, of the presentation, during the, the, the four days of the symposium, in which people are really like positively charged up. You know, everybody is in such a great mood. Everybody is so polite to each other. Everybody is so engaging, is so, so willing to share their impressions, their personal experiences, ask whatever questions they, they might come up with, you know, and they know that people are not going to judge them or not going to make fun of them. And, you know, uh, all the things that spontaneously happen when, uh, at Paradigm, like, for example, the night, the night concerts that we enjoyed when Jesse... And the other guy, I think his name was Dave Sanchez. They were, they were, you know, jamming it with the, playing their guitars right at their at the lobby of the Hyatt Regency, and that's the kind of thing I want to to portray in order to entice some people who's still undecided, who might be thinking about uh, attending. Paradigm next year, but I'm still, you know, sitting on the on it, sitting on the fence. Maybe if I can show them the, these on my writing, maybe also uh, uh, illustrating it with the wonderful photographs that our friend Erica uh, shared with us. You know, I'm going to embed it in the in the, in the review. Maybe that's going to be the thing that will clinch and. Uh, eventually convince people to come and join us next year. Yeah, that's a good idea. And make sure you send us some of those pics too while you're at it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, Laird summed it up too. We talked to Laird Scranton tonight and he was talking about the difference between the Paradigm Symposium and other conferences like CPAC where as a speaker you could obtain the guarantee that you don't need to talk to anybody. You could actually go speak and leave, that type of thing. And uh, mm. that that is so different with the paradigm because uh, 90% of the speakers were around for the whole weekend uh, just socializing with everybody and, and it was fantastic and not only that but the the way they were combining <clears throat> all the research and uh, like Laird was mentioning to us how how much he had in common with uh, Barry Fitzgerald mm. you know and that would that would have been the guy that he would have thought they had the least overlap in their research and, uh, you know, they get a chance to really brainstorm with each other there. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, because at the end of the day, these guys, these researchers that we maybe put on some kind of pedestal is most of the time because we have admired them for so many years, you know, have, we have seen them on TV, watched the documentaries, read their books, but at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're regular people who they also want to have a good time. And also they are still searching, you know, they're still searching for the answers. And maybe, like you said, you know, by, by sharing the right viewpoints with the other uh, presenters and also with the attendees, you know, because the people who come to Paradigm, they're really are above average, in, in my opinion, uh, on the way of uh, uh, intelligence, the way of curiosity, the knowledge they carry, you know. The, I'm sure that 99% of the people who went to Paradigm Symposium this year already knew uh, about Gobekli Tepe, you know. This wasn't like something that, ah, oh, you know, never, never heard of this uh, amazing uh, archaeological sites in Turkey, you know. They are really on the know. And uh, researchers, you know, get to benefit from 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 their from their knowledge as well. 
Yeah, totally. There was a bit too much. Uh, I found a bit too much on Egypt though this year. I mean, I know that's gonna. Be oh yes. Kind of gonna happen a little bit, but um, <clears throat> and it, there was new stuff there too, but definitely um, overlapping on a lot of presentations. Yeah, a bit of uh, a bit of Egypt overload this year, if I should, if I should say so myself. I think that next year the Scotty and Jones should try to mix it up a bit, you know, maybe talk about other interesting archaeological mysteries, maybe, you know, going talking about Stonehenge. Maybe, uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe some, some other uh, uh, interesting mysteries, like, well, for example, crop circles, you know, whether you believe that crop circles are, you know, created by some mysterious agency other than humans or maybe if, if they are solely made by by human artists you know what what is what what really compels them you know to go <laughs> in the middle of the night and and you know clandestinely you know stomping the ground with their planks in order to create these elaborate designs you know that they're not even going to bother to 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 put their signature into them fakers different strokes for different <sighs> folks <laughs> yeah well well that's maybe if we could have you know a, a, some crop circle researcher and maybe a crop circle artist you know that would be very interesting oh you're calling them artists now yes i'm calling them artists i like that the faker <laughs> i will have to disagree on this sir uh, so darren what do you think anything to say about paradigm before we uh get this thing wrapped up no i think uh it managed to top 2012 though and that was a tall order i mean i wasn't mm -hmm. at 2013 uh, mm. so i can't speak to that but uh 2012 was a good time but this time i found the uh, i mean mainly the hotel <laughs> yeah the hotel big, like you could eat the food there like <laughs> first year the food was shitty that was the main oh, oh my god yes great. it was this year the hotel was a lot better. I would have I would have really liked it if everything was at the hotel. Next year though. No, I have to disagree on that. I really liked the I really liked the concept of going maybe being able to walk to the venue, you know. I fell in love with the Women's Club of Minneapolis, you know. It was such a drop dead gorgeous building, you know, with very very refined architecture. I, I, I found it to be a, a very adequate place for something like the Paradigm Symposium, you know. The acoustics in the auditorium was great. The room where all the uh, vendor tables uh, were placed was big enough yet cozy enough, you know, so people could be still there and hang out and, and talk without, you know, rubbing with somebody's elbows. I don't know. I, I I think I will have to disagree on that, Darren, because I, I really didn't like the first year the idea that everything happened on the hotel and uh, we as, yeah, as yeah, a the tourist. First year the hotel was in the middle of nowhere. Like maybe this hotel is right downtown. It's in the middle of everything. There's a mall right there. I mean, well, I, for us, I guess it's not such a big deal. Except I had shit to haul back and forth every day. Not well, every day, but a couple of okay. days. Well, and then, and then, then there was no food at the venue either. So it, it became difficult because you had to leave for food, right? At some point. So. Well, yeah, but you know, there was like a sandwich and a coffee, uh, a coffee shop. You know, like two blocks away from it. Yeah, but they were sold out a couple times. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's certainly room room from improvement you know maybe if i were john or scotty i will try to to get in contact with someone in minneapolis with some kind of food truck i'm telling him, you know giving the the tip hey you know for four days there are gonna be a lot of hungry people uh, at this place or yeah. maybe you might want to you know uh, park there you know so next year we'll bring some grimerica burgers barbecue start set up a barbecue outside Okay. Yeah, but uh, I think that... I was that... thinking just a double bag full of Wendy's or something <laughs> in a microwave. By now, the the hotel for 2015 has already been 
announced. Obviously, you know, there could be change changes uh, in the end, but I think it's they picked the Crown Reg uh, the Crown Regency, the Crown Plaza, yes, which is close to the airport and close to the Mall <laughs> of America. And to me, it's kind of a downer, you know. Uh, <laughs> I I really like the idea of, of being in a in a in a hotel close to the urban urban center of Minneapolis. Yeah, I'm 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 partial to that too, but but I think I would uh, take take it if if the logistics were better, I would probably take a take it in in one hotel instead of being downtown and having to travel. Especially with podcast equipment. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. But I've never been to the Mall of America either. Uh, yeah, me too. Not, yeah, not missing nothing. Any. Yeah, our our, our malls here like there's not much of a difference. West Edmonton Mall blows it away. I've never been there either. Really? <laughs> yeah. True story. Wow. So um, let's uh, let's kind of wrap this thing up here. Then um, we want to uh, thank obviously John and Scotty for for putting on the paradigm, and inviting us to go there. Yeah, yeah, it was a great honor and a, a good time. We got to make a lot of connections. Yeah, hopefully we'll be more involved next year, I think, even still. And we mm -hmm. might even be able to put put all this content on their Live 365 channel, so uh, I'll link to that. Yeah, their new gig, Intrepid Paradigm, I think. Mm, yeah. Okay. So, um, it you know, next year's going to be really interesting, too. There's going to be uh, some of the same people, and they're trying to round up some some new talent as well should be interesting mm -hmm. i think that they are trying to combine some of the really big names with also some of the less known researchers in the field and i think that's a good idea because uh, that will ensure that the attendees will be able to receive maybe more uh, novel content right yeah yeah exactly Hey, I do have a quick uh, little feedback, uh, and it's kind of paradigm-related with a mini mini synchronicity, if uh, you guys don't mind listening. Sure. Yeah, sure. sure. So uh, I got this, uh, we got this email on the website here. So I discovered your show shortly after discovering Randall Carlson. Oh, what, October 5th or so? Yeah, right at the end of the symposium. Here's the real kick in the nuts. I was just an hour's drive from the symposium. So many oh. people, many people whose work I so admire... And I missed it. What great cosmic fuckery conspired against me, occulting the knowledge of this symposium. Here's my sad face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional vagabond who enjoys protracted hours of boredom, punctuated by occasional moments of sublime frustration. And from time to time, I might fix a helicopter, which gives me plenty of time to listen to such shows as your own. Thanks for the great show. And that's from, from Aaron. So I'm... I've read Aaron's email here, and I'm thinking about how to respond to him. This is the mini-synchro that happens. And I'm thinking, that poor guy, and like thinking that, you know, maybe we can see him there next year or whatever, and I was thinking about how to respond to his email. Actually, which I don't know if we have yet. Anyways, and I turn on Mysterious Universe, and Aaron comes on, and he's talking about a... a and I'm thinking about this guy who's a professional vagabond. I'm like, that's an interesting name. And the first thing Aaron says is is talking about this guy who's an expert vagabond. Wow. I don't think it was, it might not have been the first thing Aaron says, but like pretty much like right into the podcast, he mentions expert vagabond. How can one be an expert vagabond? I know a few. <laughs> <laughs> not, not amateur vagabond, you know, aficionado no, vagabond. They've got her locked down. Yeah. They're really pros in the in their vagabonding. I'll give yours a three and a half, <laughs> and Thanks, I'll buddy. give uh, the other one a five point four two. Who? Yeah, which other one? The guy that found our episode right after we left there, kind of. Yeah, that is a bit of a synchronicity, I guess. Yeah. Hey, hey, speaking of which, uh, well, not a synchronicity, but uh, I, I because he was searching for Randall Carlson while we were at the Paradigm Supposedly, with, with Randall, Randall Carlson. Carlson. I, I didn't uh, say to you this, but uh, on my way to the airport, you know, on my last day in Minneapolis, I was able to kind of convince the 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 the, the driver of the shuttle, you know, to maybe 
come to to the paradigm next year you know i you know i, I we struck a conversation and we started to talk about the egypt and from there we uh, we started to talk about ufos and the guy started to, talk to uh, tell me about his personal sightings you know and then i managed to to hand him one of the business cards that you printed for me you know and i said well may, maybe you you would like to to come next year and listen to to all these things if you are interested and he said you know i might i might as well because i'm going to retire next, very soon so i'm i think i'm I'll, I'll have plenty of time to check it out sweet so but it, yeah and it's a good thing because i kind of missed the whole box that you gave me, man. I, I think I missed them. I, I, I think I lost. I, I left them at the hotel. The whole box of business cards? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like hopefully 80 bucks Canadian or something. Oh, my God. Hopefully so the maid or whoever cleaned the room is distributing them amongst Minneapolis, <laughs> spreading I, the word. I okay, that. so right now you have a whole new set of fans. You, know, you should just call the hotel stuff. and see. Uh, here, here's my homework for you, Red. Call okay. that hotel, see if there's some business cards put in the lost and found, and call the hotel from 2013 and find out where your room was. Uh, you want... <sighs> yeah, please. That, like... He calls him and asks him what room he was in a year and a yeah, month they have ago. a record of it all. The no, they have goal. a record of it all. Say, hey, Pound sand. I'm, I'm completing this synchronicity. I need your help and find out what room I was in. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're gonna click. Okay. You you need to explain why that is important. Okay. Well, you know, since you're in room one 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 in 2012 and 2014, it's kind of important to know what room you were in in 2013. <laughs> I'm sure that it wasn't really that. Uh, in what context? It wasn't really a, 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 the kind of number that would be interesting, you know, to remember. What if it was like 92? <laughs> um, 9 plus 2 is 11 or something. Ah, uh, well. What are you talking about? Maybe. <laughs> What's 11? It's 11. His other, 11 is an 11. important number. Every paradigm he's been to has got 11 associated with his rooms, right? So you need like 8383 is 11, 11. That could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the eighth floor. I don't think oh, the could be hotel was, was that big. No. I don't think they had uh, that many floors. But I don't yeah, know. Or 56 rooms on the fifth floor. <laughs> okay, I will well, try... Out of my shame for losing my Grimerica card. Thank I you. That's try. what I must ask. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that, that note, note, all the content is free in Grimerica. Please donate to the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they need to print me. Because <laughs> now we need to print RPJ more business cards. <laughs> Grimerica.ca slash moneybomb. You'll learn how to do that, that there. Um, what do we got coming up? Uh, we've got Rick Strassman coming out. Actually, well, I said before no, this, up. It was coming mean? up after this little bumper music, and we play these interviews. Oh, I don't know. It depends on what order you piece it all together in. Well, who's left? Um, we have Wildflower and Phil Scaldi from Fate, and we have um, Todd Donor from The Others Report, which I want to plug because I've got The Others Report app on my phone now, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And it's pretty cool. It's got just a, it's a really easy app and it's just got all the latest news stories from uh, like MUFON report. He publishes MUFON reports. So he puts them all in electronic format and sends them out on that. And then he's got mysterious universe articles in there or stuff from, you know, open minds or all the stuff we pay attention to UFO settings, consciousness research, whatever's kind of interesting. He's got it there. So if you're looking for a sort of one-stop shop for some, paranormal and mysterious kind of news stuff that's the app okay i know red doesn't necessarily dig the uh constant barrage of twitter ufo pictures but yeah i follow him on twitter you know and some of those uh the photos that uh, he shows are less than impressive but he seems to be uh well like you said you know uh coming up with all the information from the MUFON uh, 
the reports. Yeah, yeah. I like how he's actually digitizing all that because MUFON, here's the thing. I reported my sighting to MUFON in the 90s, and I go and look for it now, it's gone. So where that went and like the management of the sighting database obviously isn't working very well. Well, now I have this question, you know, uh, if he is using the content from the MUFON journal, the MUFON reports, isn't that information uh, proprietary in a way? No, I don't think so if there's nobody no way, man. public knowledge i think it's i think it's public without name like but he doesn't show names or anything like that or i think there's a way that uh that information is um is okay to send out publicly okay i don't know if he if he cleanses that or if if, if it's already like in a format in mufon that that can be published publicly okay yeah but that's a good question and i'm just totally speculating about you just well, uh, got him fucking sued. Bro. I'm sure he's Way thought about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, now pretty that... generic. They don't have a lot of information in those sightings unless people... I think what it is is people have the option to make it anonymous. And oh. if they don't make it anonymous, maybe that there's a deal that that means it can go public. So that means... Does that mean that all the reports are uh, coming from the United States and Canada? I don't think so. No, I think it's worldwide. Worldwide too? Yeah, I think I saw some from the UK maybe and Australia. Okay. Yeah. But don't, you know, pull me on that again. I'm just thinking, speculating. Pretty sure I saw them globally. It's hearsay. Hearsay. <clears throat> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Red, and uh, enjoy the interviews. And uh... Oh, and I, we also have Stuart on there from Calgary, our buddy, and uh, Red Pill Junkie and Ephraim Palermo. They're also in this episode. Are they really? <laughs> oh, because they joined you for the interview for the chat. I think I'm only in the one. I'm in the one with Phyllis Goldie, and I think the rest of you was you guys. Yeah, probably. All right, guys, enjoy the chats. Uh, hope you enjoyed our coverage of the Paradigm Symposium 2014, and we will see you there in 2015. Mm-hmm. back at the Paradigm Symposium 2014 in Grimerica, and we've got a couple of the attendees here. Uh, Stuart from Calgary. Actually, I met him a couple, uh, both both uh, previous Paradigms. That's right. And Hello. Todd, right? Right. Todd, what's your last name? Donor. Donut? Donor. Donor. Like a, like a blood donor. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say something else that rhymes like, well, uh, you know. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time I heard that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Stuart, uh, we got to hang out more in Calgary for sure, buddy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is, it's great to get to know you guys a little bit and, uh, and meet like-minded like minds, people and chat with them here. And you gave me a card the other day and Todd, pen. and you've got uh, a website, right? I want to hear about that and right. uh, tell our listeners. Maybe they can check it out. All right. So I come. I have a pretty long IT background and years of interest in this kind of stuff. And I've, I've done some consulting on the side doing web apps and stuff. So just a few months ago, I decided to put a website together, and it's called theothersreport.com. And it is a news aggregator. So you can think of all the paranormal news items that go on out there. Instead of hitting 15 sites to get your news, the, the goal is to hit one site and get that news. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, also to accompany it, uh, have an iPhone app. I expect to have an Android app here in the near future. So so that's T-O-R, the Others Report, right? Yes. So the theothersreport.com, did you say? That's it. Sweet. Yeah. So that so so people can go there for all kinds of news for like ancient mysteries, paranormal. Like how do you decide what you put on there? So I, 
I try to have everything geared towards the others, meaning aliens, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids. But every once in a while, there's 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 some big stories like like I see on Earth Files that I'll pull in. So right, right. Uh, but the the theme is the other, so I, I tend to try to keep it in that category. Yeah, it's kind of it must be hard because it kind of it all kind of crosses right. over and overlaps eventually. Like when you talk about these ancient sites and all that, the the premise really ends up being there's like it's all an tied eight, together yeah. and a lost peoples that were there, right? And right. they could be the others too. You know? And like I pull in a lot of psychedelic stuff, like the what Graham talked about this weekend, because it, I I believe it it ties in tightly as well when the you know the background on the shamans talking to the other side and so forth. Uh, so all that material gets pulled in as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're, we we talk about psychedelics quite a bit on the show. We've had uh, a guy on about uh, a guy from Maps on. Ah, jeez, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And a couple guys on mushrooms and. And uh, experts in the fields, and uh, Dennis McKenna was on, and we have awesome. Rick Strassman coming on next week. So, yeah, we're we're pumped about that one. That's cool. So, how about you, uh, Stuart? Well, uh, I don't have a website or a podcast <laughs> or, or anything else. I'm no, just no. Uh, a, a general interest uh, type person. You know, I enjoy the content. I enjoy hearing what everyone has to say, and uh, I really enjoy this conference for the the kind of. Uh, diversity of ideas we find you know there's there's nuts and bolts people there's people like graham hancock who uh who really dive into the end of consciousness like you guys were just saying um so it's great to hear everybody's ideas and kind of find out where the common ground is and yeah it's a lot of fun meeting everybody and just having the experience any favorites so far uh graham hancock definitely yeah uh it's just i really uh, enjoy his perspective on the whole mind consciousness yeah. aspect of of the phenomenon and he's he's not afraid to go there you know uh he speaks quite competently about it all which i enjoy richard dolan is great and so i'd have to say probably the thing i love about the conference in general is just how approachable everybody is you yeah know? yeah uh, there's no there's no kind of ego whatsoever about just going up and saying hello and talking these people's ears off and, and yeah. hearing what they really think. And, yeah. uh, you don't get that everywhere. So, yeah. yeah. How about you, Todd? Any favorites? Uh, Graham Hancock, the, the psychedelic presentation yesterday was awesome. Yeah. He, he just, he tied a lot of stuff together that I hadn't thought about before the, the, uh, the similarities between alien abductions and psychedelic experiences. And I, I got to read a lot more on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, Another one, a new guy to the conference, the Nightingale, Ed Nightingale. I really liked his presentation, and his is one that you, you can do at home. You can get out the pen and paper and go try it out and see how it works. Well, maybe you could do it at home. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I would have trouble doing that at home <laughs> on my best day. Yeah, yeah it's uh, good to see guys like Ed Nightingale here, too, because he's kind of more up and coming. He hasn't been to a lot of these before. So we got guys like Thomas Fusco and Ed Nightingale that, that are – you know they've been researching for years, but now it's all culminating, and and they're finally getting to show their stuff in front of people at the conferences like this. So. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, what did you think about Graham Hancock's uh, talk and how he talks about uh, entheogens maybe being somewhat responsible for the the conscious evolution of humans from like thousands and thousands of years ago? Pretty, uh, pretty crazy, eh? Yeah, that uh, he. He's not afraid to lay it out there either. Some of his, he, he, yeah. he, he prefaced it with, I, I know I'm probably going to offend some folks, but he, he laid a lot of big ideas out there that, that really get you thinking. Yeah, yeah. I think he's spot on with that. I think really? uh, yeah. definitely those substances that, I mean, I, I think they do kind of speak to our inner creativity and kind of the spark. And I, I can absolutely believe how those substances and experiences that uh, early peoples might have had with those could have sparked the development of the human mind wow you know? yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's fascinating stuff so are you guys gonna come back next year absolutely oh, yeah. yep if they'll have me <laughs> that's right <laughs> i haven't caused too much trouble this time no i think you've been pretty good not as much as some of the people we've been hanging around with <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're right oh uh, how about you todd yeah oh yeah yeah right yeah. on yeah, I think, yeah. It, were you here last year too? No, I missed I, last year. Okay. I came to the first one. I think I remember and you. And then I the skipped and now I'm back. So. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's funny how uh, this symposium kind of resonates with us and what we're doing too. We started up the podcast after the first one and then uh, 
And that just sort of fits in with everything we talk about too. I mean, it's a, a little, this one this year, especially maybe the other ones too, seems a little bit more focused on uh, ancient uh, sites and mysterious sites and ancient ar- archaeology and that type of thing. And the whole premise that, Hey, there's been uh, modern civilization, modern man longer and around the globe uh, for longer than we ever thought. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be kind of focused on that and Egypt being a big one. Like, it was great to hear multiple speakers to reinforcing certain ideas. Yeah. Uh, and the, the first two days were, were extremely focused on ancient history and you just got such a thorough, thorough understanding of, of all these megalithic sites. And, you know, it was, it was very deeply informative. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and yeah, and they all had common points of commonality in their presentations, mm-hmm. even though they're coming from different angles on certain things. Uh, yeah. It really drove that kind of overall point home that, yeah, we've been around maybe longer than we thought in a yeah. developed way. Right on. Yeah, I really enjoyed Robert Baval on that first day. He he just, he just hit a lot of points I hadn't dug into before, and then to have it backed up by the other speakers, I agree. That's a Yeah, good, Robert Baval's great. Did he leave you hanging, though? I, did, I missed that part. I think we were doing a podcast at the time, but did he leave you hanging at the end, though? Like. Uh, yeah, that, well, there was one item he he said hung up in the courts and he couldn't tell you, but <laughs> yeah, you, such a you kind of guessed right? what the answer yeah. is. Uh, and, you know, I haven't seen him around. I, I know he's around the conference. I haven't seen him unoccupied where I could go talk to him, but I'm really curious in the significance of the number 11 that he was talking about. Because he, he talked about all the measurements and how significant significant that number 11 is. And, you know, coming from an IT background, I, I, I want to go solve the math problem. Right, So right. I wanted to track him down and, and find out what that's You about. should check out Randall Carlson's work. It's uh, very similar to Ed Nightingale's. They, those two guys were up chatting about their stuff. Uh, there's a huge overlap between their research, and uh, they're up to, like, 3 o'clock in the morning going over it all. We had Randall Carlson on the show, and he talks about, like, sacred geometry, and it's crazy how yeah. it it starts with the platonic solids, and then it goes to, like the ancient structures and then the earth and the solar system and time and it's all correlated it's crazy yep yeah real deep real quick yeah real deep, real <laughs> quick <laughs> so uh geez, i was gonna say something else now and i've forgotten um anything else you guys want to talk about i actually wanted to ask you about your website is uh how often do you update news stories and all that like if i go to to your site will i see some pretty recent stuff or yep all throughout the day so i have stuff automated in the background so i have these little search engines out finding stories and nothing gets published without me accepting it nice, so, nice. so i have a little app that i can do it on my iphone while i you know i work full-time I, right, this yeah. isn't my full-time job i work full-time but you know while i'm walking down the hall at work i can be accepting or rejecting news stories so, <laughs> oh, i love it so it tends to be pretty up to date several, several times a do you day. see any trends of like where those stories are coming from and do you pick stories from the mainstream I, yeah, I pick stories from about anywhere. Right. The the things that deter me are uh, sites that have too many ads. So, you know, if I'm annoyed by the ads when I go to the site, even if it's a good story, I'll reject it. I, I don't even want to reference it on my site. So, wow. Um, but the uh, like mysterious universe. Yeah. I, I I love their articles. I think they're very professional, very well written. So I don't accept everything out of their site, but anything that's related to the others or you know, that cat- if it fits the category, I definitely publish those items. Daily, Daily Grail is another one. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. those are some of the ones we're familiar with uh, on, on here because Red Pill Junkie, you know, he writes, yeah, for, just both, met him. He writes for both of those. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so do you notice a trend or any change in the way mainstream is handling, uh, let's say, like UFOs, for example, or anything like that? I mean, because we were talking to Jim Harold there, and he was talking about a story the other day that came out about UFOs and, and they almost didn't laugh. I mean, at the end there was a little snicker, but it seems to be getting like less and less. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, it, I don't know. I, I think it's still a mixed bag. I don't know if you could, it's, it's enough to call a trend, but uh, definitely the UFO sighting in, in uh, Texas recently caught a lot of attention and there were people snickering, but there were a lot of people that took that serious. And so you know, I weed through all these news stories of these little search engines out pulling this stuff in. And when I see the same news story on 15 different sites and two weeks later, it's still running on a handful of sites. You know, it's it, it feels like it's being more accepted. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I still 
see enough Snickers. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> I know, it's frustrating. Eh? It, it is. It dry, it's like, it drives come me on. nuts, man. Because yeah. in the in these people's personal lives, everybody knows people that have had these unexplained experiences. And yeah. Yet it's still this this uh, in the public. It's still got to be all. What was the ma- I forgot the speaker, but somebody asked the crowd yesterday. How many of you have seen a UFO? I think it might have been Rich. It was Rich. Yeah. And uh, damn, I wasn't. There you know, for that. so many hands went up, and he said, "Okay, keep your hands up." How many of you have reported it? Keep your hand up, and like ninety percent of the hands went down. You know, and yeah. if you take his statistics and laid it across, what do we have? Seven billion people in the world. Yeah. I mean, there's a heck of a lot of UFO sightings out there. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. I think what did he come to an estimate of about uh, potentially, potentially a million worldwide every year. Right. Yeah. Uh, beyond what's being reported yeah. which is significant yeah yeah that's yeah. a lot of activity yeah totally hmm. well hopefully a, it breaks open i have later. a question for you todd so uh given the nature of your website do you have uh, a personal opinion or an experience that is fueled a personal opinion or where the interest comes from or like where does the interest derive from uh, i think a lot of it comes from my dad so from my dad was long-term uh coast-to-coast listener he uh you know he had uh chariots of the gods from danikin from way back and you know those books were in the house the conversations were in the house so i've always been open-minded to it uh, i haven't had any experiences to write about but i i have seen some things that make me you know question my eyesight kind of thing but nothing real big that i you know could write a book about right what about you um I don't know if I can explain it really. I mean, I think I've had the interest my whole life since I was very young. Yeah, it's only really kind of really percolated in the past few years because of sites like uh, you mentioned, Mysterious Universe, and uh, starting to come to these this particular event uh, has really fueled an increase in my interest in the in the subject matter. Uh, you know, I feel very new to it myself. I'd say it's only been a few years. I've had a couple a couple strange incidents in my life, nothing life changing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but definitely things that have made me question what was that exactly, you know, and I've not really been able to explain it in a satisfactory way. Hmm. And I think a lot of times, I think, I think red pill said, you know, everybody, everybody has those experiences. Most people forget about them. They write them off, say, uh, you, you know, Oh, well, I don't know what that is, but then you move on with life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of, you push it out of your mind. Um, and so I think, I think since I've been developing the interest, less and less you push those things aside, the more and more you actually look at those events and try to figure it out and rationalize it for yourself. And Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Right on, guys. Well, it's been great chatting with you. Um, anything else you want to mention? I'm extremely tired, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's, I want my mother. It's crazy, <laughs> it's crazy how, t- how this can be so tiring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's been a very packed weekend. It's uh, it's practically twenty four seven when you get down to the after activities, right? It's yeah, like you can yeah. squeeze in a couple hours sleep here and there. Yeah, so it, it's great. It's a lot of fun, but it's very intense. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right on, guys. So one last thing to add: please, yeah. please visit the site, theothersreport.com. Yeah, I I also tweet a whole lot to Twitter, so that the fifty sixty thousand stories that are in uh, Mufon's database, I've pulled out and I'm tweeting some of the old pictures. I've reformatted them so they're tweetable and stuff. So oh, right on! A lot of folks on Twitter have been enjoying seeing some of these pictures that you know they haven't seen been seen in years. So. Great! And what's your okay. Twitter handle? The Others Report. At the Others Report. Yep. Cool. Yep. Right on. Thank you. Well, check cool. that out. Thanks, guys. Have a good rest of the day here. Thank you, Greg. Okay, yeah. Speak into the microphone. You got to go pretty close to it. Oh, like bad, like bad clothes. Like, like hello, hello, hello. <laughs> like pretty crazy clothes. Yeah, that's like, pretty good. Okay. We're good. I'm used to being in the studio singing, so right I'm used to oh, being right. oh, belting it out in these. So. Sweet. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we have uh, Wildflower here. We're in the Paradigm Symposium 2014, and we're still in Gramerica. Welcome. And we've got Efrain and Red Pill Junkie with us. Darren's taking a little break, a much-needed break. He's working hard. <laughs> Hardly working. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
He's taking five. That's right. So uh, welcome, uh, Wildflower. Thank you. Yeah, how are you enjoying it? It's it's awesome. It's always different each year, and it's you know really cool to be with the Paradigm Symposium family again. Kind of in your hometown, right? It's, this is my hometown. Wow. Yeah, I grew up right across the river in St. Paul. So Nice. Yeah. And you're a musician and a psychic? Psychic, musician, and maverick entrepreneur. Maverick entrepreneur. Maverick wow. entrepreneur. Wow. Sounds... Yep. It's interesting. <laughs> and and you're actually going to be on stage, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be speaking tomorrow on my topic called The Paradigm Shift. And The Paradigm Shift is, you know, basically about how to shift your paradigm so that you can create a life you love. And how how people can actually do that, like practical tools in order to do that? Exactly, because I'm, I'm, I'm one of the most practical psychics you'll ever meet. Really? I'm not, you know, I mean, I... T- what I really strive to do is is take the woo woo and make it practical, huh. you know, something that everybody can can utilize. Okay, so can you give us a couple of like little examples of uh, little steps of how one might start to to do that? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the first step is to really recognize uh, the social conditioning that you have. Uh, everybody has been raised with a certain amount of social conditioning. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, it starts from birth. You know, when you're born and when you're a baby, there's certain things that you do to elicit a response from others. There's certain ways that you modify your behavior in order to, you know, get what you want from others, whether it's food or a diaper change or whatever it is. And so what happens is that throughout the years, depending on the family environment that you're raised in, it, certain things may become may be normal to you. That, that aren't very healthy for you. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll give an example. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, um, some members of my family have been very supportive of me being uh, my just creative badass self, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and other members are, you know, were like, hey, you should go to a four-year college and mm. get a job at a company and, you know, do the whole corporate career thing. And I th- And that's just not, it wasn't so much me. And so for me, you know, when I was younger, I had to break that paradigm. Uh, you know, I had to break out of that paradigm of that to really um, allow myself to, to pursue my goals. So are we also stuck not, not only in uh, social conditioning from when we were born, but what about past life uh, conditioning? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, some people are just predisposed. It's, it's a really interesting thing. Some people are predisposed to having like a depressive tendency. Right. Okay. Or certain phobias or fears, depending on their different past life, which lives. could affect their their following their creative path. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, and it can affect you know the things that they actually uh, go to do, you know, and the the things that they put their energy into. Because have have you ever talked to people and 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 you hear them talk about their dreams and they and they want to pursue them, but they they start talking about it and then they go, oh, but that'll never happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but blah blah blah. And that's really a social conditioning factor there. And so really in the paradigm shift, what I strive to focus on is, you know, identifying those areas of social conditioning that are negative for you. Now, social, social conditioning can actually also be a good thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. You've, I'm sure you, you know, have heard of, you know, um, the uh, entrainment, you know, uh, thing of where, you know, hanging around more successful people that are more successful than you. That's a great thing right, right? because that helps to entrain your own mind with, you know, new options and new possibilities. Whereas hanging out with people that are crack dealers <laughs> in the ghetto is going to put your mind, you know, in a certain state um, that you're not going to do. So it's all about, you know, really identifying, you know, what kinds of social conditioning that you've had that you would like to eliminate. Hmm. And then from there, um, you know, that, that's what I call peeling off the layers of the onion. Uh, the, I look at the different social conditioning factors as layers of an onion. And you, you know, your natural pure, pure being soul uh, is within this onion. And it's just peeling away the, that which is not you to reveal, you know, uh, what it is that you really want. And create your lifestyle based around what you really want to experience. Do you find that synchronicities play a part in people uh, uh, shifting in this paradigm, like at that point of shifting? Or I mean, we've talked to a few guests here who have changed paths or they've been on a path, and a lot of times there's uh, synchronous moments to help propel that. 
Oh, yeah. It's, it, you know, when you start paying attention to the synchronicities and when you, and when you break down these layers of social conditioning, and especially like, you know, how I was talking about somebody might have a dream, but then at the end of their statement, they might be like, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. Well, what that is, is that's a, you know, a negative conclusion to their, to their statement. So if that person, you know, so let's say somebody listening, you know, is, is in that state where they have these dreams and they're just like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know. It's like stepping out there and putting myself out in the world and everything. Well, the first step that you can take to, um, you know, get yourself into a better feeling place so you can have more synchronicities is that every time you start to say a negative about um, what it is that you want, you just refrain. refrain <laughs> you that. force yourself to stop. And if you say it, just say, say, cancel that. So not even switch it to a positive, just don't even say it. That's the first step. Well, that's the first step. Yeah. And then the second step is to say it in the positive. And, yeah. you know, you can kind of yeah. slowly go there, but it's like these synchronicities, they really start to open up for people as they allow themselves to be in a more positive Yeah, place. The, the more you pay attention to them, you know, the more they appear. You know, it's like a, a self-reinforcing mechanism. Yeah. Uh, I, I was wondering, do you find uh, a common... Um, conditioning among people like they, they have the same kind of problem or conditioning that is common uh conditioning in what way like social conditioning yeah, exactly or? yeah what you have to undo the stuff you have to undo oh sure you know i would say that it's the success end of things um I, you know there's so many people out there um a lot of the people that i do readings for they a lot of people i'll put it this way a lot of people have big dreams but they don't know how to pr pursue them or follow them. Right. And oftentimes mm. they hold themselves back from actually doing something with yeah. their energy because mm. so much social conditioning says that these celebrities, these people that you see on these magazines are the ones that really do things in the world. Yeah. And I don't. That's what most people think. And so I think the first step to really kind of overcoming that is to see these people who are your heroes, see these people who are on these magazines, and, you know, find people that are within whatever um, area of interest or topic that you have that, you know, let's, let's say somebody wants to be a writer, right. you know, well, see yourself as a peer with these other writers who yeah. are doing big things in the world. And I think that uh, these venues, these events like Paradise Symposium are an excellent way uh, to understand that because, you know, here we are, and right right now I'm looking at somewhere like Richard Dolan. This is a man I've been admiring, you know, <laughs> for at least 10 years, you know. Yeah. Or Graham Hancock, you know, who is like a, a, an idol for the people who are interested in, in ancient middles ever since he wrote Fingerprints of the Gods. But then you, if you realize that you get the chance to talk to them, you notice that they are just, well, yes, they are. Imp they have done important work. They have. Uh, they are successful authors, but... In the, at the end of the day, they are normal people like you and me, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What I always say is that, you know what? At some time or another, everyone has to do their own dishes. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, even if you have maids, I mean, the maids aren't there all the time. But you got everybody's got to do their own dishes. And so if you kind of just realize that, you know, you can let but, yourself. But a lot of people get stuck in this victim mode, right? Like oh, without yeah. even being conscious of it. Yeah. You know, everything is... Is negative and they're victim oh, of this my, circumstance my or that circumstance. Didn't buy my computer, he yeah. didn't let uh, ev me go. Everything, everything, right? <laughs> yeah, is uh, yeah. is there's a lack of acceptance there of what's of people, places, and things. So how yeah. how do people? How would what would be like a number one tip for people to just get out of that victim state? Wow. Okay. I mean, you kind of already answered it with your uh, stopping that negative yeah. thought or yeah. statement, but yeah. is there something else that directly related to victimhood? Yeah, you know, definitely. You can, um, actually, you know what? Okay, this this reminds me of this experience that I did. I took this workshop like mm -hmm. a, a decade ago, right? And at the end of this workshop, we were supposed to pick a heroic act to do for 90 days, for three months to really train ourselves. So one of the heroic acts that I actually chose, because um, I did this workshop a few different times, but the, one, of the, one of the ones I chose was no whining, <laughs> for 90 days so what that meant is that every time i would catch myself and i had a buddy with it too every time i would say something out loud to them or i would say something out loud to myself or in my mind 
about being a victim of circumstance because you only whine if you feel like you are a victim of circumstance. Mm. That's like the manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, how the words come out. Right. And so um, every time you, you whine, you change it around and you look at the positive. Like, okay, well, um, you know, this... This didn't happen at this time. Oh, that sucks. Okay, cancel that. Mm-hmm. You know what? Okay, this didn't happen at this time, so what else is possible? What other opportunities yeah. Yeah. is the universe bringing me yeah. right now, um, y- y- you know, because of that? Because, you know, uh, Rob Bresney's book, Pronoia, you guys familiar? No, no, not actually. Oh, my gosh. So awesome. It, one of my favorite books of all time, and, and his whole take on it, I think like the byline is something like um, the universe is conspiring to bring you everything you want. And it's all about that. And so you just have to be in that state to recognize it and accept it. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Well, well, we're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow on stage. Awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess we should probably head her here. It looks like people are packing up for the dinner banquet. So sorry to be short on it, but at least we got you on for a quick chat. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes and stuff. And maybe we'll link to your website. Yeah. You got some music and some cool stuff going on. there. Yeah. Yeah. My, my psychic stuff and everything is at wildflowerinstitute.com. Right on. Oh, okay, okay, thanks, guys. Hey, I also want to say it's probably the first time, maybe, hopefully at the last time, that I'm in the same time with RPJ talking to you guys to go America. Oh, right on. Nice <laughs> uh, <laughs> historic <laughs> moment. All right. Okay, uh, thanks, thanks, guys. Man. Okay, bye. Bye. And we're here at Paradigm Symposium 2014 on the last day on Sunday, and, and we've got uh, Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine here. I hear uh, your name all the time through Micah Hanks on the Grayling Report. I've seen your magazine, so welcome to uh, Grand America Show. Thank you. Good to be here. Have you been having fun? Uh, yeah, very much. These are my people. These are your people? These yes. conference type people? Yes. Do you make the rounds with Fate Magazine to all these conferences? Not all of them, but as many as I can. And yeah. it's certainly convenient when it's right here in the Twin Cities where Fate is based. Oh, okay. So I'm like 20 minutes away. Perfect. And Fate's been around, like I've seen seen it around for years but it's been around for a while right 1948 wow it's the world's oldest longest running paranormal magazine oh awesome wow 47 that's that 60 68 years 67 years 1948 yeah i guess that's so coming up on a big anniversary yes and do you like uh what's your favorite part of these conferences I guess meeting the people, being a vendor, I don't attend all of the lectures, but uh, it's wonderful to become acquainted with all the movers and shakers in the paranormal world. And your heart is close to these uh, mysteries because you've had quite, you know, I heard you talking about some of the stuff you've had experiences with yourself. Yes, I guess I thought I was kind of weird. I grew up on a farm in North Dakota with four older brothers and uh, turned out we had a very haunted house. I was scared. I mean, I saw ghosts every night when I was going to bed. And then when I was 25, I found out that my grandfather had died in that room in my bedroom. Really? So I thought that there was a ghost standing in the doorway. Every night I could see it. I thought it was there to hurt me or do something bad. And really, it was my grandfather. He was like a guardian angel, a protector. Oh, wow. What about UFOs? Any any experiences with, with those? Oh, sure. Um, I remember coming home from town to our farm and I was probably five or six years old with my mother, and there was a light in the sky, and we stopped the car and got out. Of course, there was no uh, street lights or, or mercury lights, farm lights at that time. It was pitch dark, and uh, we watched this UFO, this craft and light, and it was like no big deal. We just got out of the car and stood there and watched it. Wow. So I, it was just part of my life, yeah, all, all yeah. weird things. All the stuff, right? And then yeah. when did you get involved in the Fate magazine? In uh, 1980. Eight, when Llewellyn purchased purchased it, I was working as an editor for for them and uh, on their books. And then when they bought the magazine, I said, "Hey, I want to help with the magazine." So, if people want to order Fate, do they go to the Fate website and order it? Or yes, you- they can get a free e issue. Just uh, go to Fate and click on the button at the store, and there's a free e issue. And you still produce hard copies? Oh yes, yes, uh, six and times a year. Six times a year. Okay, so like kind of every couple months, you guys come out with an yep, issue. Yep. And do you have a lot of these people uh, writing articles, like a lot of these people that are uh, lecturing at the conference, for example? Or uh, Yes, yes, uh, frequently uh, we do have them uh, writing. Richard Dolan, and, yeah, we have a lot of notables writing for yeah. Fate. Micah Hanks is a, a of course. columnist, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you uh, so the magazine pretty well covers a little bit of everything? Do you have a, a personal favorite sort of genre? I guess uh, probably life after death. That's kind that's of a good one. intriguing, and it's really that's the heart of the magazine is person people's personal paranormal experiences. The two sections in the magazine called My Proof of Survival, this is Life After Death, and True Mystic Experiences, people's personal weird things that happen. And there's like 40,000 of them, uh, kind of a similar theme. So when you read these over and over again, like, duh, there must be something to it. Exactly, exactly. And there's a lot of science going on behind this, too. We listened to a podcast called Skeptical, and he talks about consciousness and especially NDEs and life after death, and he... He fights the skeptics. He's very, uh, you know, like assertive in his um, way of what he defends the scientific evidence that there is out there. And there's a lot of people like, you know, Jeff Long and all these other people that are uh, Dr. Eben Alexander and these people are having these and they're starting to study them scientifically. It's hard to do, but it's uh, it's an interesting topic that's getting more and more uh, out there in the mainstream. And we want to do a show soon on uh, on NDEs. And I guess NDEs, would that be like life after death? Is that kind well, of one of the, the ways to, to prove it? Well, or? a near-death experience, to, to my understanding, is, is that you're, you're alive, but, but for a short time that you, you're dead, and then you see what's going on in the spirit world. So is that what you would equate as like, uh, when you talk about life after death, would you say that NDE is, is a proof of that? Or evidence of that? I would say evidence, yes. And of course, there's a lot of mediumistic uh um, communications from people. There's b- many, many books that have been written about uh, people's uh, um, experiences with life after death. I lost my life partner a couple of years ago, David Godwin, and he was really the heart and soul of Fate Magazine too. <clears throat> and it's interesting that I've had a lot of communication with him since then. Right. And it's right. just mind blowing. It's just so, so cool, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to talk to. Uh my sister, she had a, a couple experiences with my father who had passed away, uh, coming to her in her dreams, and she had psychic uh, psychic people. And she, she went into this psychic session, uh, a medium session, with uh, the intention to hear about that. And, and the psychic told her about, about these two dreams. It was pretty crazy. So, yeah, hearing lots of those stories from personal family and friends. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Right on. So, well, thanks for coming on, Phyllis. Um, we'll link to all that... Uh, yeah, what is the website? Is it just fate.com? Fatemag.com. Fatemag.com. F-A-T-E-M-A-G.com. Short for Fate Magazine. Perfect. We'll make sure our listeners check that out. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.